Trump's goon squads coming to a city near you. Will democracy survive until November? We're going to check the latest polls, which are looking pretty good, by the way. That's all next on Wait What? This is Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Wait What? is your political recap. We'll tell you who's making news and what it means to liberals and progressives everywhere. And we'll interview the newsmakers that make it happen. So from the nation's capital, here's reporter Jimmy Zuma. And from the great state of Arizona, here's Senator Victoria Steele. Hi, and welcome back to another Wait What? It's a troubling time in this country as we see Border Patrol agents deployed to Portland and scooping people up off the street and detaining them. You know, these guys are dressed in military garb with a, a police patch Velcroed onto their mm-hmm. their uniform. And that's that's actually stuff that you can buy in any, any uh, surplus store. The whole yeah. thing, including the police patch. They're operating... Outside of the control, oversight, and cooperation of the local state state and city governments. And their intention seems to be to provoke protesters. They are attacking protesters viciously. And they have reinvigorated the protests in Portland, which were down to about 100 people. And, you know, getting ready to die out altogether. Now thousands are marching. And this is the same thing of, that, of course, happened in Washington, D.C. when there was a provocation. And these two things are related. But both have reinvigorated protests against this kind of federal police brutality. And holy cow, this is ugly. And the, and the, mayors, uh, the mayor of, of uh, uh, Portland does not want those federal troops there. Right. And the governor of Oregon does not either. Governor of Oregon is in court today to try and prevent them from engaging in what he says are illegal detentions of Oregon citizens. So he's standing up for the rights of citizens to protest. Uh, Meantime, there's this willful provocation. Now, you have to go back. For us, you go back a long way. You go back. We've been talking for a while about Trump's fascist tendencies and about if you listen to this show from the beginning, you know that we've all, always speculated that if Trump tries to stage a coup, the Border Patrol will be his shock troops. Well, now he's announced a plan where he's going to put uh, these Border Patrol goon squads in every um, in every city that's that's controlled by a Democratic mayor. Right. And uh, it's his intention to have them there, I think, through Election Day. And to to provoke, you know, Jason Stanley, our expert on fascism, told us that fascist dictators like to provoke dangerous situations, and then they like to benefit from them. So a way to declare martial law is to create a dangerous situation and then react to it, like you're protecting the people from the, the other citizens who you've then provoked. Now, let's go back for a second. To the first time this happened, and, and I've called it a poorly planned, uh, poorly executed coup attempt, and that was back on June 1st. If you remember what was going on on June 1st, there were protests all around the country, but, uh, but also in Washington, D.C. And this was the day that will be remembered forever as Trump's photo op. But it was really more than that. The day started first thing in the morning with a Trump phone call to Vladimir Putin. And then at noontime, Trump Trump had a call with all the governors, 
where he demanded that they put the National Guard on the streets in all of their cities. That was his plan. He wanted to roll the National Guard into all the cities, show a big military presence. And then around dinner time, and of course, the governors didn't follow through on that. Well, on the, the, the yeah. Governor Ducey did. Well, you know. But governor, Arizona's governor did. And I think that was about it. I don't remember another place where that happened. But um, And then around 5 o'clock, the meat of the... The issue came when Trump had protesters attacked at the White House, violently attacked. By and I think squad. again, yes. And I think again, this was to provoke a reaction. They didn't get the reaction they wanted because protesters in Washington D.C. are pretty savvy. It was a, it, it was a potential. It, it was a coup, an attempted coup. It That's failed. what we both believe. Yeah, yeah, that's what we both believe. It was a coup attempt that failed. The whole day was designed around taking control of the country mm-hmm. and imposing martial law, but the governors mm-hmm. didn't uh, didn't uh, um, follow along, follow instructions, and um, the protesters didn't fall into the trap. So the protesters didn't fall into the trap the first time. So now what we're seeing, I think, is phase two. What we're seeing is phase two of trying to foment violence um, as a way of taking control of martial law, taking control away from, from cities and states and imposing a federal law as a way of taking over the country and turning it into a dictatorship. Now, all that sounds crazy unless you've been following events all along, as we have. And, you know, I, I, I was talking to a girlfriend the other night, and, and we were talking about the, what was happening in um, Portland on the first night that it was happening. And she said, oh, my God, Victoria, we sound like a bunch of like a conspiracy theorists. And I said, except for when it's really a conspiracy, it's not a theory anymore. <laughs> right, right. And, of course, I've, I've been accused of that for quite a while now. In talking about this thing about the border patrol, yeah, you've you've been saying all you've been saying the Trump is going to use the border patrol in his fascist attempts to take over the country, right? And the border patrol will be his shock troops, and they've been practicing, you know, inland deployments. They've been practicing, um, you know, they have a lot of experience with blocking roads and checking IDs and basically doing the things that a fascist government would do if they were trying to take over. So that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing the events play out exactly as a wannabe fascist would do it. Somebody who was playing from the fascist cookbook would do it exactly this way. Right. This is truly an occupation of American citizens, American cities. He, he has, uh, Trump has said, I'm, you know, we're not, we're not just stopping here. Next stop is Chicago and Detroit, and he's already got troops there. And obviously the plan here is to target Democratic cities, to try and incite violence in those cities, to violently put down the reaction to their incitement, and then to, you know, cast Democrats as the enemy that patriotic uh, American authoritarians need to fight against. And now's no time for things like free speech or free movement or the right to protest. This is a dangerous time in the country with these anarchist Democrats trying to take over. This right. is what you're going to see in the coming months. So, and No, what's really, really terrifying is the use of the Border Patrol agents against American citizens. Right. 
Right. There's no business. Uh, the Border Patrol is probably the least qualified police force to do any domestic policing. Right. They're certainly the police force that has the most problems and the most ill-trained, uh, uneducated officers. Right. And these Trump has been grooming these since day one. He's been grooming the Border Patrol. He's been right. grooming the Border Patrol Union. He has a lot of support on the Border Patrol. And he's created a, a symbiosis with them where they're enjoying being violent at the border. And he's enjoying the violence. Right. And and so we, we, we were thinking that I think the, the women up in, in uh, Portland, the, what, what we're calling the Wall of Portland Moms, who right. stand there peacefully and wearing yellow and white and locking arms as trying to form a wall against the, the you know we thought that they would be respected their moms for God's sakes you know they're they're not crazy people they're not anarchists they're moms and you know we we see them going out there and and these these moron border patrol agents are just coming at them and they're not doing it in a way that that is is controlled or or strategic they're a bunch of buffoons in uniforms unmarked uniforms they don't even have their name tags on they're they're just 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 a bunch of morons and and they're they're attacking these women this is the same thing i saw in washington dc i saw officers in generic military uniforms each and every one of them refused to say they were who they were from. In fact, I learned from a DEA agent that they were, in fact, Border Patrol officers. They wouldn't tell me themselves. Huh. So we saw the same thing there. This is this on a grander scale. Ostensibly, they're protecting a federal building which has been vandalized, but they're operating way outside of there. They're just pulling people off the streets with no right. regard to whether or not they were involved in criminal activity. They're just scooping people up taking them to a place where we don't know where they are and um, trying to, you know, intimidate them, scare them. Right. And, and if they're just protecting a building, why are they attacking uh, uh, this wall of Portland moms? Yeah, these moms are not there to hurt the building. Right. I saw a cartoon, I think it was yesterday, and, and it was so such a me thing because it showed all of these angry women just you know angry a whole bunch of different women and 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 they look like me and my my girlfriends you know and and they were going to protest and then you see two young men off to the side mom nana <laughs> <laughs> i can see my son going mom what are you doing you're gonna get killed stay back <laughs> well these moms are so cool and the other thing we haven't talked about they all wear yellow they all stand arm in arm yeah. And interestingly enough, they may have taught me something. They all wear swim goggles, which seemed like a great way to keep from getting tear gas in your eyes yeah. as I think about it. Now, I have a gas mask, so it's not a problem for me. But Jeez. if you don't, take your swim goggles to the next demonstration. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's a really good yeah. idea. And wear your I'm mask. Gonna, we want you to mask. wear a mask anyway. So right. wear your damn mask. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect, perfect uh, protest attire. Well, and, and one of the things that, that I just, it, it, it's the video that has gone absolutely viral. And that's uh, this Navy veteran, Christopher David, who was attacked. Right, right. He, 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 he 
walked up to some some of these uh, uh, unmarked goons, and there were four of them. And he said, you know, I want to talk to you about, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't know the exact words. He said, I want to talk to you about your oath. I think that you need to respect the oath that you were given, and this doesn't seem like that. And, of course, the first thing that happened was that uh, they started beating him with clubs. And then a guy, another officer, they never responded to him. They just started beating him with clubs. Not a right. word. Right. They just started beating him. They, you know, one officer hit him four or five times. Now, he's a big guy, and and he didn't seem to have much of a reaction to that. But it broke his arm. It broke his arm, and it broke his hand in a couple places so badly that he now has to have surgery. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that happened in the first volley of them hitting him, but they, he was also gassed and hit some more. Now, the, the pepper spray that the police use is the equivalent of bear spray. It's not the same pepper spray that you buy in the store. It's much more powerful. And this officer sprayed him in the face with it from six inches away for at least 10 seconds. Now, to me, I'm sure the manufacturer doesn't recommend that kind of thing. It's certainly not safe. He was endangered by the actions of these officers, and as you say, he broke his arm in a couple of places, or broke his hand in a couple of places. Jimmy, I, I got a question. How does this, how does this differ from anything that the Nazis did? Yeah, well, so far they haven't used guns. They've used less than lethal weapons. They cracked another guy's skull open, mm -hmm. um, but... Instead, but they haven't used uh, live ammunition or machine guns to mow people down. And that's really the only difference. That's the only difference now from the kinds of things that were happening in Nazi Germany prior to World War II, uh, during Hitler's rise to power, or in Italy during Mussolini's rise, or in any other place where fascism has reared its ugly head. This is how it happens. If a, de if a democratic country becomes a fascist country, it becomes a a fascist country exactly this way with the uh, people in power trying to foment an incident that they can use to take control. Right. And this, this gentleman, Christopher David is a veteran Navy guy. I mean, right. he's had big a Navy, had a Navy shirt on and, and a big Navy shirt. I mean, there was no missing the fact of who he was and, and he thought he could reason. You know, he had an idea that he would be respected for his service. He had an idea that, and I, I don't know how I feel about his idea that he should be treated special. Um, I don't like that, but, you know, you get his point. He thought he was somebody who could walk up to them and talk to them and reason with them. And he found out that they were just violent thugs. They had no intention of engaging. They had no intention of discussing. They had no intention of doing anything but creating uh, an incident. Right. And that's what they tried to do with him. Didn't work. He's a smart, big, strong guy. This guy's big for a Navy guy, if you know what I mean. And he's a big guy. You know, if, if you're familiar with the Navy, you know they usually don't have these six-foot-three guys because they don't really fit on ships and they don't <laughs> really fit on submarines. And he's a big Navy guy. So I guess that intimidated them. I guess that that's, you know, why they had to beat him. Instead of, uh, or they didn't just didn't want to be bothered with him because he was the enemy. They took a club and they had it with both hands on the club right. and they were beating this man with everything right. that they had. Right. That's, that's, it was, it was out of control.
role, behavior. It wasn't strategic. It wasn't military. It wasn't professional. It was vicious goons. That's right. all it was. And we saw the same similar kind of behavior from uh, police officers in many cities during the um, during the demonstrations about George Floyd and and. Mm-hmm. In many of those cities, the violence was police violence. The police mm-hmm. caused the violence. Right. And in this case, these guys are the cause of the violence. As, is, as we said before, the protests were dropping off. They were down to about 100 people. You know, yeah. then these guys showed up. Now they're back to 1,000 and then 2,000. I would expect 10,000 before all this is over. Yep. Um, they have reinvigorated the protests. The question is, will they be able to create the violence that they want to create? And sooner or later, somewhere it will happen. Sooner or later, somewhere, uh, these attacking uh, military-garbed guys will have somebody attack back. And that's what they're hoping for. And that's what we have to not do. We have to not fall into that trap. Right. And that's when they can impose martial law because the anarchists, which is Trump's chosen word for us, mm-hmm. uh, we're anarchists now. Yeah. Um, the anarchists are taking over, so we can't have normal law. Right. We can't, we have to have martial law. We can't have the elections right now because it's too dangerous for people to vote. And, and you this, can see how this whole thing plays out. And this is all an attempt for Trump to take over. He is desperate to win this election. He knows he's losing, and and this this the only way. That he can right. get and I think another it's a, election, right? I think it's an it. acknowledgement that he's not going to win. I think his impo- his internal polling is as bad as the external polling. I think he knows he's not going to win the next election. Uh, you know, the plan was always to win the next election and then do this, mm-hmm. and then change the form of government to a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And now he realizes he's not going to win the next election. He has to move faster. Yeah, and of course, the border patrol seems very ready to. To help him out. I I would say we have to get rid of at least half of these Border Patrol guys. And how I have a theory about how to do it. I have a theory about how to do it. There are a couple okay. of ways to do it. You know, one is to vet them properly. But the other way to do it is if you just want to get rid of a bunch of bad actors in short order, is to fire everybody that tests positive for steroids. Wow. Because you can see that these goons do not have normal human bodies. They have steroid bodies. They have the kind of bodies that uh, people take drugs to get. And, mm-hmm. and of course, exercise. And so I think you could get rid of a, a, a lot of bad actors in short order just by testing them for steroids and firing them for drug use. Wow. And I would recommend that the next administration does exactly that because the Border Patrol has always been the least lawful law enforcement agency. And that's, you know, as you know, you got the Minneapolis police and places like that. That's saying something. But the Border yeah. Patrol has always been the worst of the worst. And now we're seeing them uh, engage in authoritarian-leaning activities, and hopefully the courts will stop them. Well, when Border Patrol agents can take little children, immigrant, migrant children, away from their moms and dads and stick them in cages and leave them there, and they are still there. They're still there. If that can happen. Yeah. Anything Once you've sunk that low, this is just, you know, right on the spectrum of activities that you would engage in. I agree with that. 
So tell us, let, let, let's move over to, to polls, polling, because as far as I can figure, the only way that we can get to November is to make sure that, that we can actually get through this, is, is to make sure that we all vote and that we don't just win the next election, that we, it's, it's a, a landslide, it's a tsunami. We just, there is no question. And, and he, can, he can be baby whining about, oh, it's not fair, it was right, you know, it's like, go away. Uh, you know, and I, 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 I think that's the only way. So what does it look like? It looks to me, um, from what I've been hearing, and I'm not looking at the aggregate polls, I'm just looking at individual polls, that, that um, in some cases, Biden is like uh, 15 points ahead. Yeah, he's doing, uh, you know, he's had a couple of polls that have him 15 points ahead. He's not really that far ahead, but he is trending ahead. Biden is trending ahead. Now, keep in mind that up until today, Biden had been above 50% in the aggregate since about June 10th. And okay. that's over a month, six weeks. And um, he's continued to, you know, have a steady lead. Today, he dropped a little bit and he's down to 8.9 is what... 538 puts him at real clear politics put it puts him at about um, 8.4 which is a, a little less and he's at 49.9 percent of the vote right why do you think that he dropped it's it's insignificant it's an insignificant difference um you know one one or two tenths of a point he was at maybe 50.2 or 50.3 you can't blame me you can't blame me for being nervous. Well, everybody's nervous. And, I, you know, I, again, I, you know, one of my great annoyances is all these people who say, I just don't believe the polls. Well, so what? <laughs> you know, uh, the, the polls are telling a true picture of what's happening right now in this country. Um, and then in addition to that, all the battleground states, states are and the battleground field continues to expand. And the battleground states are trending strongly toward Biden with uh, some rare exceptions. I think there are two exceptions of the huge number of battleground states who are now uh, for um, Trump. And one of those is, of course, Iowa, and one is Ohio. Uh, Ohio is a very important state, but uh, it's not the most important state. Now, Biden's, Biden's lead in Florida has jumped to 6%. That's significant. Really? That's and that's all coronavirus-related. That's oh. all. The, the Trump that you see in his latest briefing, the half-hour focused reading from the teleprompter Trump that you see is a hundred percent his reaction to seeing this change in Florida. Wow. Because that made it real for him that not only will he not win the election, but he might not even have a state to go home to. Uh, <laughs> his new <laughs> residence of Florida. And the fact that he could lose Arizona is just phenomenal. I mean, we have been bright red for decades. Yeah. That seems likely. Now the the, Senate race is tightening a little bit. I think uh, McSally's losses are, you know, she's she's not losing quite as bad by a couple of points as she has been consistently to Mark Kelly, but she's still losing by a substantial yeah. uh, outside the margin of error uh, amount. I think six or seven points at this point. Good. At one point he was up 15, but that was, you know, probably unrealistic. So what was really interesting this week, uh, in, in the past week or so, looks like McSally and Trump 
have both um, changed or fired their top campaign advisors. Yes, it is an interesting move for both of them. I think it doesn't acknowledge the biggest problems in their campaign campaigns. The biggest problem in the Trump campaign is Trump, and the biggest problem in the McSally campaign is her copious use of the McSally shuffle, which <laughs> is, you know, that's what we're calling what she does, which is never offer an opinion on any subject, never make a commitment on any subject. The only thing that she's been firm about is that she's strongly uh, an adherent to the Trump philosophy of governance, which, you know, puts her on the losing side of, of the polling currently. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have anything to, to, um, to make that up with. So she's in terrible shape. She's not the 15 points down that she was. She's, you know, six or seven points down. But And then the other thing about the Trump campaign, Trump's the biggest problem with the Trump campaign. He doesn't acknowledge that. But the other biggest problem with the Trump campaign is the campaign manager is not really running things. Jared Kushner is running things. And Jared Kushner doesn't know how to do anything. He has not been successful at anything he has done ostensibly, you know, the Israeli peace deal. And, you know, he's had five or six things in his portfolio that were utter failures. You know, he's one of those kind of rich kids who thinks he's smart, but never really delivers. And he's not delivering for Trump right now. And he's the major problem. He's the reason for the shakeup. The shakeup was, in fact, him shifting blame, Jared Kushner shifting blame to employees for uh, his inability to to run a campaign. Right, right. That's just crazy. And I'm sure McSally has a similar, you know, thing. She's blaming her campaign manager, uh, trying to shake up to to reboot her campaign. But the problem is her. Yeah. She never won anything. She's not a viable candidate, or she never won a Senate seat. She was appointed to this Senate seat. She hasn't been popular. She hasn't been effective. And the McSally shuffle. She never takes a position on anything. When she was in Congress, the thing that made her successful is that she appeared to be bipartisan. And she hired um, this guy who had worked for the Gabby Giffords team before Gabby got shot. He, she hired him to run her office, to run her her. Um, um, official government team, not the campaign team. And so she appeared to be reasonable. But when Trump came on the scene, she wasn't reasonable at all. She went full out Trump. And now she doesn't she doesn't hold um, town halls. She doesn't she doesn't have and you cannot talk to her. And if you call her office, she won't listen to you. She won't talk to you. Her people will, will I, I doubt that they're even giving the messages to her. Um, if, if you're a Democrat and you want to talk to her about something, forget it. She's, She's in the, what I call the lying media stage of her campaign, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, she's blaming everything on being lied about when she's reported on. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And that's not a winning strategy. That's a that's a strategy to try and hang on a little longer. And of course, Trump does that too. That's it's yeah. it's just not a winning strategy. Uh, you know, Trump is trying to run on the same things he ran on three years ago about being an outsider who knows how government works because he bribes everybody and he knows how to fix it. Only he can fix it. But he's had three and a half years now to fix it, and all he's done is make things much much worse than even he described before. Yeah. yeah. 
he's failed at everything he's tried to do, and now he's confronted with this pandemic, which he has um, murderously mishandled, murderously mishandled, and cost a lot of people their lives. You know, for all his BS about testing and all these other things, there's one important statistic you need to know, and that is that the United States has 4.5% of the world's population and over 25% of the world's COVID cases. Mm-hmm. So you strip away all the BS, that's what you're left with. We have 4.5% of the population, 25% of the cases. That, of course, means we're overrepresented by 500%. To turn that 4.5 into 25%, we are overrepresented by five times the number of COVID cases that we should have for a country with a population our size. So strip away all the rest of it. That's what you need to know about how successful or not successful we are. Yeah, I I think you're right. It's a murderous mishandling. Right. And so that's where we are. These guys are trying to um, fool you. And in Trump's case, he's trying to fool you into accepting him as a dictator. So it's really not the kind of thing that, you know, is, is emblematic of how the United States runs. And that's, of course, what the polling is telling us. People do not like to be told that you need a dictator. People do not like to be told they don't don't believe what you see with your own eyes. And even people who back Trump are done with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's our show for today. And and if you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry, because we'll be back next week. Meanwhile, please subscribe to Wait What? And make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen. That helps us rise up in their rankings and helps more people learn about us, which, of course, is good for us. You subscribe to Wait What Politics on your favorite podcast app. Visit Wait What Media. Leave a voicemail. When you visit Wait What Media, go there and leave a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at uh, tipline at waitwhat.media or visit our Facebook page. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today's show. If you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry. We'll be back next week. Subscribe to Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steele on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media and try out our quick takes. So here's the thing, commentary from Victoria Steele and the ZOP topical explainers from Jimmy Zuma. I'm Monica Price.